Now let's grab God's word and open it up. Uh, we are going to talk about a couple weeks ago, I, or, or last week, sorry, I, I came to you and I said, hey, we're going to do just a little two-week thing on, on marriage and relationships, uh, something that I had done a few weeks ago for a church family up in, up in Snohomish. And uh, we did that last week. We talked about, for those of you who are here, we talked about our purpose and identity in marriage. All right, starting to, starting to dust off the, the brain there a little bit, going back seven days. Uh, purpose of marriage, identity of marriage. We went into First Peter and we talked about how our identity informs our, our purpose in marriage. We said it like this, your belonging informs your believing, which informs your behavior. All right, so if we want to change our behavior, we got to go all the way back to our belonging and ask the question, who am I and whose am I? And then that will inform what we believe and then that will inform what we behave. And uh, we talked about that last week because we want these lasting changes to happen in our marriages. We don't want to just slap a Band-Aid on it. We don't want to just change our morality. We want to change the heart and we want transformation in the heart. That, that was last week. Okay, this week, uh, we're going to talk about the sufficiency of Christ in marriage, okay? The sufficiency of Christ in marriage, how we're to be satisfied in Christ. And we sang songs, and Jonah chose great songs to talk about being satisfied in Christ. Christ is our treasure. Satisfy us with your love. All these things that bring us back to the sufficiency of Christ and being satisfied in him and him alone. All right, and when we get to that point, uh, in our lives, and in our relationships, where we can say that Christ is our satisfaction, that Christ is our treasure, then that frees us to love like we should love, forgive like we should forgive, have grace like we should have grace, to serve one another the way we should serve because we're satisfied entirely in Christ. We're not working on being satisfied in the world. We're satisfied in Christ, and that frees us then to live for Christ in the way that he wants us to live, and in this context of what we're talking about in relationships and in marriage. All right, so that's kind of uh, where we're headed. Let's turn to a familiar passage for those of you who've been with us, back to 2 Peter, verses 3 and 4, and let's, let's learn this verse through that lens together of being satisfied and sufficient in Christ. This is what it says, 2 Peter 1, 3 and 4, and then I'll pray for us and we'll, we'll jump in. Here's what it says. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who has called us to his own glory and excellence by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. Our Heavenly Father, we, we come to your, your precious word, your incredible, inspired word of God that you've given to us. What a gift it is to just open it up right there on our laps, to study it, to read it, to enjoy it. And Lord, we pray through the study of your word this morning, that by your spirit, you would guide us and teach us. You would transform our hearts. Our desire, Lord, is to become more like you, not to just have head knowledge, but that that head knowledge would turn to heart understanding and transformation. Because the goal here is to become like Christ so we can have greater worship to you, not just on Sunday mornings, but in all of our days. We pray towards that end this morning in Jesus' name. 
Amen. One of my uh, childhood dreams when I was just a wee little child uh, in elementary school was to play some sort of professional sport. I mean, that was it. Professional sports was, was everything. I wanted to play, and it didn't matter which one it was. I just wanted to play professional sports. And I thought, well, let's try out uh, hockey. And I realized I can't ice skate. So that was out. I mean, you have to be, it's kind of important to be able to, to ice skate. I thought, hey, let's try baseball. And I thought, yeah, baseball, this is my sport. I'm a lefty, kind of tall. I, I can do this. And I realized Randy Johnson throws 104 miles an hour, and I don't want to get hit by a fastball. So that was out. I thought, hey, let's, let's try NFL football. I mean, let's, let's go for that. And I realized I really don't want to get hit by somebody that is way larger than me trying to rip my head off. So football was out. Well, let's go the basketball route. I want to I wanna play basketball. I put all my efforts into playing basketball, and I got ever so close to fulfilling the dream, but I came up short. Just missed it because I was not sufficient enough to get the job done. I didn't have it within me to get it done. I didn't have, in some cases, the height. I didn't have the strength. I didn't have the courage. I didn't have the speed. I didn't have the athleticism. I didn't have enough to get what it took to get to my goal or my dream. When it comes to the Bible, when it comes to Genesis chapter 3, immediately in Genesis chapter 3, when sin enters into the world, the Word of God points out to us that we don't have enough spiritually to get the job done. We fall ever so short from being able to spiritually save ourselves from sin. We fall ever so short from having enough within us to forgive like we're supposed to forgive to have love like we're supposed to have love, to have patience like we're supposed to have patience. We fall ever so short from being able to handle life's problems on our own. We wake up and we say, we don't have the strength today to get it done. We don't have the strength today spiritually to fight off temptation. As humans, the Bible identifies for us a spiritual deficiency. We're not sufficient human beings. Spiritually, we fall short. And what happens from the very beginning of the Bible and all the way through the Bible until the very very end where we reach glorification with, with, with God in the heavens is that the Bible crashes right up against the culture because the culture says this, you are enough. You can get it done. In fact, what I want for you tomorrow morning is to stand in front of the mirror and convince yourself every day that you've got enough to get it done today. Just stand there and start preaching to yourself. You can do this. Dig down deep into your heart, into the recesses of your heart. You'll find the strength down deep to get it done today. That's what the world is saying to you. From a little child, they're saying this. You need to find you. You need to be you and continue to be a better version of you. (laughs) can I just tell you what the best version of you is apart from Christ? A sinner. The best version that you can offer this world apart from Christ is a sinful nature that you inherited from Adam. And so we're not going for the best version of you. We're going for the best version of Christ within you because Christ is your sufficiency. Christ is to be all. Christ has to be your treasure. Because in and of ourselves, 
we don't have enough to get it done. And so the world says this, you need to fill that void. In fact, apart from that, our, our humanity says, okay, I need to fill this void. I don't have enough to get it done. And so we look and we look and we look all around the world to try to fill this void. Some look to degrees and advanced degrees. I'll, I'll, I'll pursue education to fill this deficiency that I have, and I'll find my satisfaction in that. Some look to themselves to find self-worth, to find a way to be valued and fulfilled. Some look to work and say, hey, I'm going to work. That's going to be my satisfaction. That's going to be my joy. That's going to be my all in all. And I'll just spend hours and hours and hours and hours into work because that's going to satisfy me because I I recognize that I'm not satisfied. Some look to lust and sexuality. Some look to organized religion tradition. Some look to psychiatry and psychotherapy. Some look to just the pleasures of the, the world, the material things of the world, and just think, hey, if I, if I just have enough, then I'll be satisfied. If I just gain enough, I'll be satisfied. If I, if I just have enough money, then I'll be satisfied. Filling their life with things and things and more things, trying to, trying to fill that gap. I think it was Tom Brady in 2006. Uh, Tom Brady's a quarterback known as the GOAT. Uh, he won his a Super Bowl, and at the end of it, after the first Super Bowl, he sat down with the reporter, and he looked at the reporter, and he said this, there's got to be more to life than this. Hit the pinnacle of his career. Another professional athlete named John Moran just, just recently said, I have everything, but I don't have peace. That's because the world isn't designed to bring you peace. Material things aren't designed to satisfy Only Christ will satisfy. But also in the midst of this, in this search for satisfaction, this search for sufficiency to get the job done, many people often look to a spouse or a relationship to be satisfied. Everything I'm not, I'm going to find in my spouse. Everything I'm lacking, I'm going to find in my spouse. I'm going to hold them to this high standard. They're going to be my strength. They're going to be my patience. They're going to be my kindness. They're going to be everything that I'm not. Because I know I can't get it done and I have to find it in somebody else and something else. The Bible teaches that in and of ourselves, we don't have what it takes to be all those things. The Bible teaches us the world does not have in it what I am lacking spiritually. And the world cannot fill that void. Only Jesus can satisfy. Only Jesus can fill that void. In Jesus, I have everything that I need to be satisfied. We sing a song that says, All my attempts to be satisfied are vain and empty. Until the moment you rescued me and your love filled me. We sing the song, Hallelujah, all I have is Christ. Hallelujah, Jesus is my life. We recognize with Christ I can forgive like Christ wants me to forgive. With Christ, I can love like he wants me to love. With Christ, I can have patience. With Christ, I am satisfied. 
with Christ, he fills that longing in my heart. I don't, I don't need to find it in somebody else or in anything else. All the spiritual resources are mine in Jesus Christ. Okay, look at this verse, because this is exactly what Peter is telling us. His divine power has granted to us all things, all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through what? Through the knowledge of him, through Jesus Christ, who's called you to his own glory and his own excellence, by which, here it is, he's granted to us what? Precious and great promises that we have to hold on to so that through them you become a partaker of the divine nature. He's summarizing for us that all we need is Christ. Everything we need is found in him. Would you turn with me to a passage in John chapter 15? The the men on on Thursday morning just studied this together in John chapter 15. Just so we can understand this and take a look at some of these cross-references to help us. And then we'll break down this verse all together and try to connect some dots for us in regards to relationships and marriage. In John chapter 15, verse 1, he says, I am the true vine. Okay, before this time, the Israelites thought, hey, Israel's the vine. All the spiritual blessings are going to come through Israel, or Israel uh, rejected the Messiah. And so now the true vine is Jesus Christ, and now the spiritual blessings come through him. He says, I'm the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch he does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Verse 4, abide in me, and what? And I in you. As you abide in Christ, Christ abides in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless what? Unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. Apart from, from Christ, he's saying you can't bear fruit. Verse 5, I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. And here it is, underline this, for apart from me, you can do, what does it say, church? Nothing. Nothing apart from Christ. You are unable to spiritually be able to get it done in your life, to bear any good fruit. It doesn't say you can do some things and then bumper sticker Jesus to your life to get a few more things done. Like like the Holy Spirit, this is like this extra juice to get it done. No, apart from the Holy Spirit, you are unable to get it done. Apart from him, you can do nothing. Turn over with me to Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2, it talks about this whole, this whole book really is about being alive in Christ. In verse 9. It says, for in him, who's that? In Christ. In Christ, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. What is, what is he saying? In Christ, God the Father, God dwells in the flesh. 
And then what it says next, and you have been what? Have been filled in him. You have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and all authority. Christ has been filled in you. I, I love what it, uh, the, I believe it's the NASB. It says it like this. In him, you have been made complete. In him, you have been made complete. No longer are you spiritually deficient. No longer are you unable to get the job done. No longer are you unable, listen church, no longer are you unable to love as God asks you to love. No longer are you unable to forgive as God asks you to forgive. He completes you, he fills you, and he fulfills you. And this is so vital to a healthy marriage. This is so vital to any relationships that you're a part of. I sat down in a premarital counseling session. Uh, This was years back, and and I always ask the question, hey, what do you, I ask a couple of questions, but generally they're, they're around this. What, what do you like about your fiance? And there's just one couple that I had, I mean, and they were just, just googly eye, just all in love. And I just couldn't wait for this answer. I knew exactly where it was going. And uh, the, uh, the bride says, oh. My fiance, oh, he completes me. He's everything that I'm not. He's patient, and I'm not patient. He's, he's everything. And I ask him, he's like, oh, and she completes me in the ways that I'm not fulfilled. And I thought to myself, Four weeks is not going to be enough. We need like 40 weeks. We got some untangling to do. You guys got such a high standard for yourself, you'll never be able to live up to that standard. This is a train wreck that is about to happen. Because what's going to happen when your husband is not patient anymore? What happens when... When, you're, when, you're, when your husband is all of a sudden angry, wait, he was never angry before, but now he is. What happens when, when that, that, that fiance that you loved isn't the same after you were married as they were before and everything you thought they, they were and everything you believed they were to be and all the dreams and hopes that they were supposed to be at the altar, all of that has changed. We got a problem, don't we? She doesn't love you like you were hoping she would love you. So what do we do? We try to medicate the heart. We try to medicate the soul. We go back to finding, okay, they didn't satisfy me. Something else needs to satisfy me because I have this this desire for satisfaction, right? That's built within you. You do have that desire to be satisfied. And all of a sudden, it's not found in my spouse. So now I've got to go look somewhere else. 
So now I got to go back to my job because it's at my job where I feel satisfied. I'm going to go there and I'll work harder, spend more hours there. I'm going to go look on social media because I can get validated on social media. I can get validated there. People will heart me. People will thumbs up me there and I feel valued and, and worth there. So I'm going to spend my hours on social media there. I'm going to put my attention to my kids because my kids love me and value me. And now they fulfill me and all my attention is there. And all of a sudden your identity shifts, your satisfaction shifts, your, your sufficiency now shifts away from one thing to another thing. Keep trying to fill it. But we're not dealing with the root issue here. Those things aren't designed to satisfy you. Those things in your life are designed to point you back to the one thing that can satisfy you, who is Jesus Christ. And if we want to, f- to fix the issues laterally, we have to be first secure in our identity in Jesus Christ, that he has all my hearts and all my desires and all my longings. And when he is my satisfaction, I am now free to love and serve like I'm supposed to. I'm free to do that. There's not even an obligation to do that. I do it out of a, a joy that comes from God. It comes from Christ within me. I don't have to look to anything else. I can rightly love my spouse. I can rightly serve my spouse. I can rightly love my children. I can rightly love and enjoy work the way that I'm supposed to. I can enjoy the things that God has given to me in this world the way that I'm supposed to, not because I'm trying to find some sort of satisfaction from them, but I find them a blessing of the heart because I'm entirely satisfied with Christ. And this is what Peter says, in him, you've been given, in him, four spiritual blessings that I want to show you, okay? Four blessings that you get by being satisfied in Christ alone. Number one, in second, we're back in Second Peter. You get, number one, you get his divine power. You get his divine power. Okay, how many of you ever said, I don't have the strength today? <laughs> I'll raise my hand. I'll raise them both. Guilty is charged. I don't have the strength some days. I just don't. The Lord's asking me to love. The Lord's asking me to be patient. The Lord's asking me to be kind. And there's days where I don't have the strength. Now you've been there in the midst of a trial, in the midst of hardship. When you're like, I really really don't want to see that person because I just don't have the strength to deal with it. Right? Have we said that before? Can I just validate what you just said and just say to you, yes and amen, you don't have the strength. Let's just start with this. I don't have the strength within myself to get it done, but I have his divine power. With Christ, I have the strength for today. With Christ, I get his power, the same power that Christ used to heal the sick, 
the same power that he, he used to, to overcome all the weather patterns over the Sea of Galilee when he was able to stand up and say, peace, be still, and it was calm. The same power that was used to cast out demons, the same power that was used to raise Christ from the dead, that power you have with Christ. In and of yourself, you don't have the strength, but with Christ, you actually do have the strength, and you have more strength than you actually realize. Isn't that amazing? You get his divine power. It's been, it's been granted to you. You have the power to thrive. You have the power to succeed. You have the, you have the power and the, and the strength to carry out all that God has for you in every relationship that he's given to you. We carry his power to live a life of godliness. We carry his power to live a life of holiness. A couple verses for you that you can look up on your own is Ephesians 1, 19 and 20. Ephesians 3, 16. And Paul's prayer that he would strengthen us with all power. He'd give us the divine power so that we would be able to live our lives for, for God. We, we have the power, we have the strength, but we have to stop thinking that all we have to do is dig down deep within our heart to find it. No, we just need to rely on God and his power and his strength because we're not going to find it in, in and of ourselves. We have to push back against the culture that, that wants to tell you, no, you've got it within yourself. You've got it. You've got the strength. Just pull up the, your bootstraps and, and get off on the day and, and just keep trudging along. <laughs> how long do you got doing that? How, how long before you just kill over and say, I can't? Christ is saying, no, I'll give you the power. You have the power. I'll give you the strength. Just depend on me. Secondly is this. Not only do you get his divine power, but you also get his divine provision. Look what it says. He has granted to us all things, everything. Nothing is lacking in Christ. Every spiritual blessing is yours. In fact, uh, if you look over with me in Ephesians, Ephesians chapter one, we'll just look at one verse here or one, one section here. In Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Here's, what, here's where you underline. Who has blessed us, here's where you circle, in Christ, back to underlining, with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. In Christ, you have every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Not some, not 50%, not 75%, not, hey, you get some, and then, then as you mature and grow in Christ, I'll, I'll just give you a little bit more. I'll, I'll sprinkle you a little bit more. Oh, you had a really good day. Here's a little bit more. Oh, wait, nope, you're back down. Ah, mm, up, mm, okay, good day. Here's a little bit more. No, every day you get every spiritual blessing. Every day. They're yours in Christ. Everything you need is found in him. 
I love how Pastor John MacArthur, he says it in this quote. He says, you have more than you need. You have all grace, superabounding, overflowing, so that you are always completely sufficient for everything. And you have an abundance of every good deed, which means you can be independent of external circumstances for life and godliness. It means particularly to be independent of the services of other people. As a believer, there's a sense in which you are not dependent on other people. You're self-contained and sufficient in Christ who is within you. In other words, you have within you grace upon grace upon grace in Christ, abounding to every need of life, so that you are always so that you are sufficient always for all things. You're sufficient always for all things. Do you believe that, church? Do you believe that you can forgive when you don't want to forgive? Do you believe that you can love when you don't feel like it? Do you believe that you can show grace when you don't want to show grace? Do you believe that you can be patient when you don't want to be patient? Those are just some of the spiritual blessings that you get in Christ to be able to do those things, to have the strength to do those things. This word there for life has the idea of eternal life. So you've given everything in Christ for eternal life. And then it says godliness, that is the pursuit of holiness. All of those things. And you can see where, where is this found? Where do we find Christ? Well, it tells us what? Every, uh, uh, it is all found in uh, life and godliness. What? Through the knowledge of him who called us to the glory and excellence. He's found in the word of God. Again, church, why do we go back to the word of God? Because it's there that we find every spiritual blessing. Why do we study it uh, throughout the week? We have groups on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Sunday, Sunday night, all centered around the Word of God. Why? Because it's there that we find our sufficiency. It's there that we find Christ. And we need to be reminded of that. So we go back to it and we say, open up your Bibles because we need to find Christ to find our satisfaction and our sufficiency. Blessing number three is this. You get his divine promises. You get his divine promises. Here it is again, verse four, by which he is granted to us. Here it is, is gifted to us. This is ours in Christ. His precious and very great promises. You get the promises of God. I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will build my church. God is faithful. God has strengthened you. God will give you joy. God will give you wisdom. These are all promises of God that we get to cling to and we get to hold on to. And they're great and they're glorious. And God has never, listen church, God has never broken a promise. God, hey, God's never amended a promise. I'll give you this and then over time says, actually, I'm going to backtrack on that promise I'm going to mend it and change it a little bit because I noticed you couldn't do it. You actually couldn't keep up your end of the bargain, so I'm going to mend my promise. No, he's never amended a promise, so when God says he's going to do something, he's going to do it. Why is it so helpful and important to us? Because in the midst of trial, in the midst of tribulation, in the midst of hardship, it's the promises of God that we, that we hold on to. 
It's the promises of God that we say, okay, God, you said you would do this thing. I'm going to hold on to it. And it becomes very great to us. It becomes very, very precious to us. I feel alone, God, but your word says that you will never leave me nor forsake me. I'm going to hold on to that promise that you are with me right now, even though I feel isolated and alone. These promises of God are very precious. The promise is is only as good as the character of the one making the promise, right? The promise is only as good as the character of the one making the promise, right? If you know somebody who's a habitual liar and they come up to you and say, hey, I'm going to make a promise to you that I'm going to do this, you go, no, you won't. You're a liar, okay? You lie. That's what you do. And now you're making a promise. The character can't back up the promise where God, his character, always backs up the promise. And we hold on to those. And he's given us to those, given us these great and precious promises So we'd hold on to them through difficulty, and all of them are found in Christ. I love the song that we sing, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. It says this, Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face. The things of this earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. His word shall not fail you, he promised. Believe him, and all will be well. Then go into a world that is dying, his perfect salvation to tell. We get these incredible promises of God granted to us in Christ Jesus. Number four is this. You get a divine partaking. A divine partaking. Because you're in Christ, you are partakers of the divine nature. And you escape the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. What does that mean? It means this. Because you're in Christ, you are granted eternal life. It doesn't mean that you won't see sin. It doesn't mean that sin won't come around you. It means this, that you will escape the corruption that is in the world because you are in Christ. You have a divine partaking with him. Galatians 2.20, For I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives within me. And we are part of this divine nature now, and then we will receive it again in glory. And day by day, we're being renewed over and over and over to become more and more like God the Father's Son, Jesus Christ. And I belong to him. And we get all of these things in Christ. Isn't this so special? Don't we need this reminder every day of who we are in Christ and what we get in Christ? I need it. I want to do things on my own. I want to do things on my own power. I'm selfish. I know you guys didn't think that, but I actually am. Just kidding. I want to do things on my own strength. I do. And then I realize I can't. I can't get it done. And I think to myself, why in the world would I ever want to do things on my own apart from Christ? How foolish is that? Trying to love my wife trying to love my kids on my own with my own strength and with my own power and I keep falling short it's because I need Christ to do that Ted Tripp and I know many of you are in a, the marriage class with Ted Tripp coming up in the next hour if you're not part of that 
um, just go in there. There's like 50 others. I'm sure we'll find you a seat somehow, but go find a seat at a table in there because it's amazing. But he has this incredible quote, and I want to finish with this. It's rather lengthy, so you guys can listen in. Talking about this sufficiency of Christ, he says this. What does this have to do with relationships? Everything. Who you tell yourself you are has a very important impact on the way you deal with the big and small issues of daily life. In the same way, where you find your identity will have everything to do with how you respond in the hard work of marriage. Either I get my identity vertically out of the sense of who God is and who he has made me in Christ, or I will seek to get my identity horizontally out of the circumstances, relationships, and successes. When we live out of a sense of who we are in Christ, we live our lives based on all we have been given by Christ. This keeps us from seeking to get those things from the people and situations around us. This is why there are so many identity statements in the New Testament. Much of the disappointment and heartache we experience is the result of our attempts to get something from relationships that we already have in Christ. In almost 30 years of counseling, I've talked with countless women in difficult marriages who said, all I ever wanted was for my husband to make me happy. My first thought is invariably, well, he's cooked. No human being was ever meant to be the source of personal joy and contentment for someone else. As surely no sinner is ever going to be able to pull that off day after day in an all-encompassing relationship of marriage. Your spouse Your friends and your children cannot be the sources of your identity. When you seek to define who you are through those relationships, you are actually asking another sinner to be your personal Messiah to give you the inward rest of soul that only God can give. Only when I have sought my identity in the proper place in my relationship with God am I able to put you in the proper place as well. When I relate to you knowing that I am God's child and the recipient of his grace, I am able to serve and love you. I have the hope and courage to get my hands dirty with the hard work uh, involved when two sinners live together and you are able to do the same with me. However, if I'm seeking my identity from you, I will watch you too closely, listen to you too intently, and need you too fundamentally. I will ride the roller coaster of your best and worst moments and everything in between. And because I'm watching you too closely, I will become acutely aware of your weaknesses and failures. I will become overly critical, frustrated, disappointed, hopeless, and angry. I will be angry not because you are a sinner, but because you have failed to deliver from me the one thing I seek from you, identity. But none of this will ever get the well-being that comes from knowing who we are from our relationships. Instead, we will be left with damaged relationships filled with hurt, frustration, and anger. And here it is. Tune back in right here. When I remember that Christ has given me everything I need to be the person he has designed me to be, I am free to serve and love you. When I know who I am, I am free to be humble, gentle, patient, forbearing, and loving as we navigate the inevitable messiness of marriage. Is there evidence that you are looking to your marriage to give you the things you have already been given in Christ? 
And this is true not just for marriage. This is true for any relationship. This is true for if you're single looking for a relationship. Are you looking for that relationship because you want that person to fulfill you in a way that only Christ can? Peter says, by his divine power, he's granted to you all things pertaining to life and godliness. All we need is Christ. All we have is Christ. He is our treasure. And we focus in on him and depend on him. We can love, forgive, be gracious and merciful and patient and all the fruits of the spirit because we're satisfied in Christ alone. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for, for your truth. Thank you for this reminder. Lord, I, I, I recognize this in my own life, in my own heart, as we've all recognized this morning through your word, how self-sufficient we want to be. How sometimes we think that if we just try harder, if we just dig down deeper and look more to ourselves to get the job done, we can just crank it out and do it. When the Bible says to us, hey, we don't, we don't have enough. We don't have enough to get it done. But in Christ, we have all things that pertain to life and godliness. In Christ, we have enough strength. In Christ, we have every spiritual blessing. In Christ, we have the promises of God to hold on to when life gets hard and difficult and things don't go the way that we want them to go. And In Christ, we have salvation. We will escape the sinfulness of this world and be raised up to life with Christ in the heavenlies. And all of this is because of your son, Jesus. And to him, we are so thankful. Lord, may we look to Christ in times of need. May we run to your word for times of encouragement. Remind us, O oh Lord, that your son, Jesus Christ, came to die on the cross for our sins so that we would have life and have it abundantly in him. And we're so thankful. So help us in these things, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.